welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And I'll give you all the particulars a little bit later on as we continue here on the program of uh, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Looking for those new ways of living. And uh, sometimes those new ways of living uh, might actually encompass uh, some new ways of looking at, uh, looking at life, looking at death, uh, looking at whatever we are referring to as the hereafter may entail, and what we can learn from it, her, him, him, them, <laughs> whatever the case may be, with our returning guest. It's so uh, uh, so great to have her back uh, after uh, quite a whirlwind trip uh, that she took uh, from New York to California and back again. Uh, she's back with us, Patricia Kerasi. It is great to have you back on the program. Uh, obviously, you're pretty happy to be back home again. How are you doing? But I, I truly enjoyed my time in Santa Barbara. Whirlwind though it was, I really enjoyed. It. I had never been there before, so it was it was really great. Well, I have to say that uh, though I have uh, been through uh, um, sort of kind of similar kinds of events, such as what you held here in Santa Barbara on August 18th at uh, the uh, Unity Church here in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara Unity Church, or I guess it's Unity Church of Santa Barbara, uh, where you uh, had a gathering of a few people, and it was actually kind of a what we might consider more of an intimate kind of thing. It wasn't like you were trying to fill a 60,000-seat auditorium or anything. But uh, you had a few people there, and my observation was that it was kind of like throwing out a bunch of puzzle pieces and then trying to figure out how they fit and where they fit and who they fit to. And I thought that was a rather interesting... I don't want to say it's an interesting observation on my part. I just thought it was rather interesting because that's just the way it came across to me. Have you ever looked at it in that sense that I've got this one and I've got the, oh, I, I, oh, you're not, nobody connects. Okay. Well, we'll put that over here and we'll hang on until, or, or even, um, even sliding tiles. There's another game, sliding tiles, where you're just moving stuff around until it fits or until it matches or until the picture starts to take shape. Yes, it's very much like that because I am aware from the spirit people what they're showing me and I'm going to say it even if it doesn't make any rational sense or I have no context for it because there have been times in the past where I thought "Hmm, that doesn't fit so I'm not going to say anything and then afterwards my sitter says to me or my client says to me oh if you'd only said that and I'm like Darn it! I <laughs> I saw it. I couldn't make sense of it. So so it is um, in my translation of the symbols the spirit people are showing me, uh, like trying to play charades with them. They're playing charades with me and trying to build a picture or build a story from a bunch of those sliding tiles. Yeah, it's it's really really very interesting process to watch. Uh, you know, and I I there was a part of me that uh, I had to. At first, I said, I'm just going to take it with a grain of salt, whatever she says, because she knows, already knows a lot about me because of the last interview that we just did. I shared a lot about my life and this and that and the other thing. But then when you started talking with other people and connecting with them and does anybody recognize this, that or the other thing, uh, you know, you would put out some information. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was that you said in regards to what I connected with. And at first, I'm thinking, well, that sounds rather interesting. It's kind of, 
kind of uh, benign, uh, kind of a calm, peaceful life that these people that she's referring to are living. And you kept going on and on and on. And I'm going, it kind of sounds like my mother's parents, you know, my grandparents that I grew up with when I was a kid. You know, we get shipped off every summer for two weeks uh, to spend time there. That way, my parents only had to deal with four of us instead of all six. Um, and and then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm you know, Pete. And anybody, Peter or Pete, you know, well, I got an uncle and my grandfather's name, he went by Pete and so on and so forth. And I think the, the thing that was real interesting for me was I hadn't thought about them in a long, long time. I was thinking about a bunch of other people that we may have talked about in our last interview uh, that I thought, I hope this person comes. I wish this person would come through because I really would like to talk to my friend Ramona. I'd like to talk to this person. I'd like to hear from them and hear what they're saying and doing and and their insights and so forth. And none of them came through because that's not how it works, is it? Right. No, it's I have no control over who comes through. And so when my clients come, I ask them and I think I said this at the beginning of our group, you know, um, the spirits are going to connect with me in the order in which they can connect with me. So I don't know who's important to those people out in the audience. And so I'm just going to present everybody who comes forward in the order in which they come forward. And, and I like that the spirit people know not to bring through some of the people that you might have told me about in our last interview, um, because yeah. the spirit people want to make sure that those of us in the living world are as, um, uh, as convinced you know, I'm, I'm one of the biggest skeptics out there. So mm-hmm. I have, a, I set a high standard for myself and for the sphere people. Like, you got to show me something that is really going to con- click and, and, yeah. and blow this person away. So, yeah. you know, I know it's going to come out of my mouth in these, in these uh, wonderful but, connections. Yeah. But you have regular clients, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And they will come to you, I don't know, once a week, once a month, every six months, whatever the frequency is. And again, it'll be the same thing where, yeah, I'd like to hear from. No, that's not how. We're, no, you, you can call whoever you want on your phone, but you can't just call the spirit in to talk to them or have them impart information. Those who are ready uh, to, to come in and impart information to you, they are the ones that will come through. And is, is it like you, you need to... As, as the receiver of this information, not you specifically, but you're more of the conduit, I'm the receiver of the information. I need to take the perspective that whatever comes through from whomever it comes through, I need to, uh, I need to kind of stamp it with a, a important, urgent, listen. Yeah, right, right. Be attentive. Yes. And, you know, the... Um the spirit people, I, I like to consider the spirit people my clients first because they have a need, they have an agenda, they have things that they need to say. And I'm certain that they gather together and say, well, we're only going to be able to get, you know, a couple of minutes with Richard in this group. So why don't you go, grandparents, and say your thing? Or why don't you, Uncle Pete, go and say your thing? Um, and, and by the way, she remembers our name, so we're not going to come through, you know, Ramona, for example. Um, Because I always ask the spirit people, especially with repeat clients or people that I know something about, give me either a spirit I've never met before or if I've met you before in a reading before, tell me something about you that I don't know already. Come Mm. through with that so I won't be using my own memory. It's like, 
Oh, wait a minute. How did you know that I had a blue blankie as a little kid and, you know, and I called it Gertrude? Right. Exactly. Nobody but my mother and my father knew that. You know, I didn't, but, you know. Right, right. No, but and that's the kind of thing you're talking about in that respect. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. if I, let's say you and I, um, or I knew more about you, or uh, you come for a reading three months from now, let's say, or or I return to Santa Barbara and you're in the audience. Even if you're saying people come through, they're going to come through in a way that I would not recognize from the last time. Mm -hmm. So um, if I bring those grandparents through again, they're going to maybe talk about their ethnicity or or that you have their their cuckoo clock or something like this. And you mm -hmm. might say, yes, that's my grandparents that came through last time. And I'll be like, okay, good to know. So I, I try to forget everything as well. So And usually because I, do, I see so many clients, I do forget the details of, of people. Yeah, and which is actually uh, probably a good thing in that respect because, yeah, you know, you, 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 have to, you want to start fresh, as it were. Yeah. 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 You know, now, when people often, uh, you know, are concerned that mediums have looked them up or psychics have looked them up on Facebook. But if you're really doing your work, any advanced knowledge just gets in the way. I don't want to know anything about anybody because then I'm second guessing the impressions that I'm getting or I'm overthinking it. And and thinking and analyzing is the greatest obstacle to communicating from spirit to mediumship and, and psychic stuff. We need to get out of our thinking minds and just let it flow through. You are a psychic and a medium. Is that how we want to put it? Correct. Yes. And you have a website. Uh, and that website, if I am remembering from our last interview, is actually a practical medium. Correct? A practical psychic. Oh, I <laughs> got myself tricked um, because I thought it was the other way around. A practical psychic, which I like better. It sounds better than a practical medium. A practicalmedium.com is the website. We encourage folks to go there as we continue talking with Patricia Kerasi here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's really a pleasure to have you back here on the program, Patricia, to talk more about this, especially after experiencing this. I know that and my wife and I both attended, and of course, she received messages uh, from uh, her. I, I think it was like her brother and her um, father, who are both William or Bill, as it were. And it was and I have to say, we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, I don't know uh, if she'll ever bring it up. But one thing that I thought was rather interesting was that apparently they were pretty happy with the choice that she made uh, uh, with her present mate. And again, I'm not taking any credit for that. I'm just who I am. But at the same time, you know, I sit there and I go, um, well, that's great that they're you know, I never got to meet them. You know, they were already passed on by the time I came along. Uh, and so it's kind of like, oh, that's nice. I'm, I'm sort of kind of posthumously <laughs> getting their blessing of sorts. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it's more uh, it's more for her as as uh, not so much for me. But when you hit a spot in, in these gatherings or even on a one one on one with your clients uh, and some information comes out that is not reconciled before the end of the session, what do you do with that? I mean, it's still it's still hanging out there. You haven't you haven't fitted into the the puzzle, if you will, yet. Do you jot that down and say, you know what, what? We'll hold on to this until next time. 
Um, actually, um, I ask people to remember it, the, the person I'm talking to, try to keep it in mind. Um, because sometimes in my translation, I am not saying it in a way that is recognized by that receiver. But when they go tell their sister or mother about it, they're like, oh, yes, that was this. You know, you didn't know, but, you know, I did make that dress for your sister, for example. So, um, and, and of course, there is a small percentage of the time that I'm incorrect, you know, mm -hmm. that I, I've interpreted something or my own thought in, in the, and you may have heard me do this a couple times um, over the course of, of my delivery of messages where the spirit will say to me, you're, I'm Priscilla, you're, you're putting too much into it. You know, stop talking. Just say the thing. Don't because I think we can't help but try to put things in context in some way. And very often, not very often, but still a little too often, um, I can't help but extrapolate um information and and um spirit always corrects me if the person doesn't correct me the spirit corrects me like everything you said except for the last thing mm -hmm. or i know what you mean about flowers it doesn't have anything to do with the name it's just because i just brought the flowers to their gravesite today and i go oh well there you go so i think that's just the some of them some of the errors in translation and and being a um, a conduit and, um, you know, trans translating from one language to another. It's, it's an imperfect art. And there are times when, and I'm sure you've experienced this to the point where you're able to uh, know that you, Patricia, your personality has sort of, has, has sort of gotten in the way. Not necessarily intentionally, it just happens, you know, because yeah. your mind is still buzzing along there uh so talk about that a little bit in terms of uh uh in terms of uh, uh um any of us for that matter because that's one of the things too that that you hold uh, certain classes and things of this nature that people can actually learn how to open up to their own and i like this uh, from uh, uh dr newton uh they can open up to their own cluster the entities, the spirits or souls that they associate and have been associated with for who knows how many hundreds, thousands, millions of years uh, in terms of reincarnation. Well, this is the biggest challenge, I think, for people who are learning um, as well as people who have been doing it for 25 years like I have. What comes through our intuition our intuition is in the same place in our mind that our imagination is, our subconscious mind, our dreams, our memories, that sort of very soft area, and everything else that we analyze, rationalize, logically deduce, that's all in the different part of the mind, which is very black and white. And we need that conscious part, that rational part of the mind to find a context for this non-rational part of the mind. And I, and I think most of us, when we overthink things, we get in the way. It's, everybody has a sixth sense. Everybody has a perfectly functioning extrasensory perception, an instinct, a gut sense, a hunch, whatever you want to call it. And more often than not, because it isn't tangible and rational, we talk ourselves out of it. You know, I've talked to so many people who say, oh, man, I knew that. I knew I should have done that. I knew I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. And, and the hardest thing to do, no matter how many years you've been doing it like I have, is to straddle these two parts of the mind. So when I'm 
translating, when I have to take something from this non-rational part and funnel it through the rational part of my mind so I can make a sentence that makes sense for somebody, it's like squishing down an enormous idea into a tiny little vocabulary tube. And, and you know, it, it just gets colored by it. And when we are talking to ourselves or vetting our own intuitive um, impressions, we do the same things. But everybody, everybody can do it. Everybody has a sixth sense that is feeding them information that is, you know, one of the ways we can tell the difference between what is intuitive information and what is thinking mind in, in, um, information is intuitive information is always neutral. So even if we're um, getting the impression of something that would we wouldn't want to have happen to us, oh, my, my husband's cheating on me, or I think I just got ripped off, um, or something's wrong with the car, you know, we, it, it comes through in a neutral way without fear. So I always like to use this example. If I'm, if I'm walking across the tarmac to get on my plane and I start thinking, why am I thinking about the plane crashing? Why am I thinking about this? Am I, and I get myself into a panic. That's not a psychic impression. That is just my mind going in circles. But if I'm walking across the tarmac and I suddenly feel like I need to turn around and run or I see or smell, you know, psychically like flames, mm -hmm, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's when you turn around and walk away. Not when you're, when you've brought yourself into a panic. So right. it's always neutral. Mm. Well, I, I, the, one of the aspects of this is, is in terms of, um, I would actually put it in the same category as we just talked about this in the last program about, um, uh, getting confirmation about something I, I really already know, but it sure would be nice if I could get some outside confirmation, support, and so forth. And and it is. It is. I mean, this is kind of why we're here. We're all here together to work together. So, you know, if you've got a little piece of information, not one of those, God told me to tell you. No, 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 no. That's not what that's about, is it? Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. And that's why I call myself a practical psychic, because if you can't use the intuitive information you're getting from yourself or someone else in a way that empowers you to make better decisions and have a happier, more peaceful life, what good is it? I mean, yeah. I, I'm into spirit guides and angels and those sorts of things. But, you know, for me, they're uh, a little bit too new age, I would say, for people to make a practical use of. You know, I could say, oh, in a past life, you were this, or I see, you know, a guide from Native American tribe around you. But if it doesn't help you, you know, expand your business or or have a better relationship with your wife or your kids, or you know, that's nice to know. But how can you apply it into your human existence right now to have a more peaceful, healthier life? Priscilla Kersey is my guest here on the program. We're talking about uh, apracticalpsychic.com, the website, and you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, uh, both you and uh, was it Melissa, am I correct? She Michelle. was there. Uh, Michelle, beg your pardon. Michelle, uh, we're both there uh, uh, Friday night, uh, that particular Friday night. I, I have to tell you, I cannot believe that it was that long ago, and yet it was not that long ago. Um, I don't know what's going on with time and, and space and all of that kind of stuff, but uh, the, the, the calendar is just flying Oh, yeah, I, agree. I, I don't know. They say that when you're a young kid, I remember as a young kid, uh, if it was something I didn't want to do, the time wouldn't move fast enough. 
Uh, and then if it was something I was really having a blast at, time would fly by. Come on, it's time to come in for dinner or whatever the case might be. And now it's like it doesn't matter whether you're into it or you're not into it. It's still it's like, what do you mean today's Friday already? It was just it was just Monday. What do you mean August? I'm still working on May and that kind of stuff. It's it, have you gotten any insights um, from any of these uh, uh, spirits on the other side, if you will? And I have a try, hard time with that one saying the other side. It's just a side. It's just. We just can't see it because it's at a different vibration. But uh, in terms of this concept of time, and I'll throw one other piece of information in there. You may or be you may be aware of this. There was a, an article that was just out that says that the Earth has just sped up. Now maybe only a millisecond or something, but it's spinning ever so slightly a little faster, and that's got to have some impact. Yeah, you know. I mean, it goes too fast, and we're all going to be flying off of the planet. I don't care how many, how, how much gravity, you know, we have. You know, you get it something spinning fast enough, and everything that's loose is, is gone. Yep. But what about that in terms of any information that you've imparted maybe to someone else who, let's say, for example, an individual, a client, or in a mm-hmm. gathering such as that Friday evening, uh, who's kind of, uh, you know, really perplexed about all of this time stuff and how fast things are going as they get older and older. And so this entity comes through to help them to, you know, just take it easy. And let me just explain to you what's going on. Have you gotten any kind of information like that? Um, A little bit. You know, the spirit people um, often remind me and my clients that there's no time where they are. So they um, often encourage us to live happily, to live in the present not to, uh, you know, to not not to let grief weigh us down for too long, thinking we're honoring them. For example, I shouldn't smile or laugh because my child is is you know in spirit. Yeah. Uh, they often say, you know, it's like it's like carrying all this baggage through all the years and the miles, arriving at your destination and learning. I didn't have to care. I didn't have to take all this luggage with me. What do you mean? You know. So it's so they often remind us that time is here for us you know it really is all happening at the same time so we ought to try to live um, in the moment and not project ourselves too far into the future or be too stuck in the past and for some it's that that can be really hard because uh i mean i i (laughs) i've been working in this business for over 40 years uh and this business is run by the clock you, you know, you got to stay on time, you know, when you're running programming on the radio or I actually work for a short time at a television station. So, well, it's the same thing, same concept, principle. And and here you live, you live and die by the clock, as it were. And uh, um, things have to be timed properly. And, and the list goes on of all of the different aspects thereof. And then there are times when I might have a day that... Uh, I don't have anything scheduled per se. You know, I, it's like I could have sworn I, I scheduled two or three interviews for today. I've got my calendar's empty. There's nothing there, and it's like, okay, well, I, I could I could finish reading my book. I'm trying to edit and get it ready for publishing. Um, I could go out to the beach. I mean, I'm 20 minutes walking to the beach. 
Oh, nice. Uh, 20 days if I was still living in Phoenix. If I'm lucky and I survive the desert trek, 20 days uh, <laughs> to the beach. Um, or do I just go somewhere quietly, close my eyes and just listen to that still small voice, which, of course, we encourage everybody to do. I would I would take it that some of the, that, that there's a consistent message in that regard from the spirit world that you know you human beings you really need to stop I don't care if it's for a minute and a half or 5 minutes you need to just stop closure and just just be right there and don't try not to think about anything and if you do just let the let the thoughts just just go on through like water through a pipe or water in a river going down to the sea. Just let it and just kind of be right where you are and who you are and what you are. Uh, that's I take it. That's something that we're we're getting from. Oh, out a doubt. You know, so many people who come to me um, for psychic insight and, you know, of some practical use in their lives. They're, they feel like they're stuck. They're in a rut. They're, they don't know what to do next. They feel like they're here to do something, but they don't know what it is. Or they know they want to take a different job, but they don't know what it is. The spirit people have often said, so now these are my words, too, that I advise people. Um, you know, just like boredom is a gift. Time, is a, time to do nothing is a gift. Because if you're not busying yourself with some with being productive or some task that you're not mindful about anyway, letting your, letting yourself daydream really allows your intuition to come up, to float to the surface. And so I always advise people if they don't know where they want to be in five years or next year, instead of trying to determine what that is out in the future and reverse engineer your way back to it, that works brilliantly with the rational mind. If you have a strategy for money or business, but if you don't know, better to ask yourself in your daydreaming, in your boredom, what next? Not what's the end result, but what next? And then if you listen and pay attention, ideas and inspirations begin to crop up. And you're like, oh, I remember this person. And it might not even seem immediately as though this is a direct answer to what I just asked. But, oh, I'm thinking about this childhood friend. Maybe I'll call him or her. And then you get the next what's next. Like you get these leads that's like, come this way, come yeah, this way. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, you know, that time with nothing to do is so important if we can just sit and ask ourselves what next or just daydream and yeah. let the mind, like you said, just wander like water through a pipe or water down a riverbed. You know, that's been uh, early on in my career. That was one of the frustrations for me was not being able to find an end. You know, it's like there's, there's, there's got to be a, a finish line here somewhere. But in radio and television, there is no finish line. There is no end. It's continuous. It's like, OK, you finish today. You come back tomorrow. You do it all over again. And the next day you do it all over again. And the next day you do it all over again. And you repeat and rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat, you know. And I think that that there's something in our minds I don't know if it's in our DNA necessarily, but there's something in the personality mind that wants to have. I mean, I even talk with to people about this in the context of whether it's creating commercials or other production pieces or presentations. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. 
And that's how you want to produce it. And I remember when I did my very first radio theater, uh, I was 21 years old, never, ever done it before. And the only way that I could wrap my head around it was... This is just a real long commercial that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, you know, and, of course, when it was all over, said and done, oh, my God, it was, it was so, so fabulous. Uh, um, anyway, I think that's where the, the, it's like it's in our, in our human brain, in our personality mind, where we seem to think that we got to, and, and that that's, maybe that's why we have such a problem with death. I, you know, you're probably right with that because I, I just read this. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a TED talk. I don't remember. But um, that one of the biggest causes of stress in the human mind is having things undone or having things incomplete, um, which is why it can feel so satisfying to cross things off a list. Um, and, and we may not be aware that it's creating stress, but if you always feel like there's something I ought to be doing or something is unfinished, um, it, it prevents us from living in the present because then we become scattered or worried about what will happen if we don't finish it or we're stuck in the past. Like, why didn't I finish that? So I think you're right about death, first of all, because people see it as an end, and it is of sorts. Mm -hmm. It's certainly the end of, of our spirits incarnate in the body and then discarnate out of the body. Um, but it's not really, um, the, um, it's not really, um, a satisfying motivation to get as many toys as we can before we die or mm. get as many accomplishments done as we can. You know, if we're doing those things because we enjoy them, as you were mentioning with, you know, radio, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. If we are doing things that we like, eventually that, um, you know, that, that approach we have when we're younger, because I know exactly what you're talking about, sort of fades away and we become more involved in the moment and the things we're doing in the moment. And I, you know, that's where time really stalls for us when we're so engaged in something that, you know, you look up at the clock and four hours has gone by, um, as opposed to what we were talking about earlier, you know, when you're a kid and you don't, you're, not, you're doing something you don't want, you feel surely four hours has gone by and it's been three and a half minutes. <laughs> A watched clock, just like a watched pot, watched pot, um, you know, and, and that that whole scenario. It's just real interesting. Patricia Kerasi is my guest, a practical psychic dot com's the website. Hope you folks will uh, spend some time going there, maybe set up an appointment with her. She can do it on the phone or over Zoom if you're here in California, here in Santa Barbara, uh, to maybe get some insights here from who knows. I mean, again, I didn't expect to hear from my grandparents, you know, um, and it sure brought back some really cool memories, uh, especially in my childhood of being there um, in the mornings, going out uh, to the fig tree that they had growing off to the side of the driveway, the covered uh, carport, uh, and picking and eating right off the tree, the figs, or being with my grandmother in the backyard where she had a covered uh, area where she had this giant concrete uh, stove with a cast iron top on it and she would make the tortillas and put them out there and she'd flip them. She wouldn't use any utensils. It was just her fingers and she'd get in there and flip them over. She didn't burn herself. Uh, or the tamales that she would make. I mean, just the memories of going to the corral with my grandfather and he would let us ride the donkeys. Boy, they were ornery. I'll tell you what. Uh, or even once, I think uh, we actually were able, uh, maybe more than once, 
uh, ride the horses that they had there in the corral. Um, a lot well, of our relatives, you know, what? to go back to, you know, you yeah. recalling something in the past, you're literally, you know, transcending time, going back in time and the feelings yeah. are coming back and the, and the heat and the temperature and the smell. <laughs> yes. The heat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what the spirit people really want to remind us that this is life, life never really ends you know and yeah. and every memory that they have of you is alive in every moment we don't have to like you know they don't have to like we do fish back way back in time to an early memory you know it's right there for them and they or that's what they tell me you know and again this is just my experience with the spirit people of how they explain things to me um mm. you know almost like every memory i have of you and my love for you exists all at the same time for me so it's yeah. hard for us to because we can only kind of focus on one thing at a time but to know that their being is all about love and loving memories and and um as well as some of the things that weren't so loving having an awareness a self-awareness of those things is important too it also and then that then that aspect teaches us uh why we are maybe the way we are we're talking with patricia Kerasy here on am 1290 and this is tell me your story a PracticalPsychic.com's the website. Uh, Patricia Kerasy is my guest, and uh, I find these conversations real interesting. You know, you said something earlier too about, uh, you know, how uh, we're trying to uh, check off certain things on the list, and yeah, I used to do that, uh, and then there's a part of me now that's going, yeah, I would like to finish this, check it off of my to-do list, mm -hmm. but I know that if I do. It's going to be replaced with something else. I just, yeah. because that's just what happens. I'm not, it's not superstitious or, uh, you know, uh, jinxing it or, you know, if I don't talk about it, I won't get any more. And eventually I'll have my, I'll have my plate clean and, and I'll have no more spinning plates. And, oh, I can just relax and not have to do, forget it. This is life and you got, you got life to live, and there are so many things. I went to the Camarillo Air Show uh, here in Camarillo, California, uh, up the coast. Uh, it probably take you 45 minutes to an hour to drive there from Santa Barbara. 18 minutes by little little uh, experimental plane that my friend owns. Uh, put it on autopilot there. 19 minutes. Came back. I got to fly the plane. I'm learning how to fly. Uh, I don't think it took more than 15 minutes. Uh, and it was fantastic. And you're going 200 miles an hour up there, okay, at about 3,000 feet. Uh, clear skies. Oh, it was beautiful. It really was. But that that aspect of, of traveling, and you kind of alluded to it in the context of traveling back into the past. And I was in Ireland in uh, at Christmas time 2002 through New Year's. And then the following year, 2004, went back again. My wife and I both, we, you know, we went on our honeymoon and then we went again the next year on her birthday. And we were there for two weeks each time. And when we got there the second time, I tell you, it was not like, okay, starting the clock, it's uh, day one of two weeks. Uh-uh. It's uh, day one of week three. It was like we picked up right where we left off. That's great. It, th it was like there was a connection between yeah, yeah. those two events it was so it was so cool i love that that is that is really cool and you know i think it takes a certain person 
to pick up that thread. I'm not sure that everybody does that naturally. I, I think we all have the ability to do it naturally, but I do feel, especially an American person, where we are very clock bound, you know, oh, yeah. the, mm -hmm. two weeks out of the 52, you know, we want to get as much experience as we can. So it's get in the car and go to this winery, go to that fishing village, go here, go mm -hmm. there, you know, and, and so it's hard to just absorb it all. But I'm glad that you you had that experience because I, I think that's kind of rare. It I, I probably is. I, and I got I have to tell you that that uh, I remember when we flew in the first time, um, we had a hotel, a reservation for I think it was like maybe two nights. And I had uh, I, I'd been out of the country before then, but it was on a seven day cruise down the coast of Mexico mm -hmm. to the Mexican Riviera. That was the cruise. Right. So it's like. Yeah, you're out of the country, but you're not really out of the country. So there I am in Ireland. I couldn't believe all of a sudden a wave of homesickness hit me. And I was like, oh, we got to go home. Uh, you know, and now we weren't going anywhere. We were staying there. We had just started our two weeks. But it was it was one of those things where you you um, you know, you I'm not even sure where that came from, because I wasn't necessarily thinking about home. I was really trying to immerse myself in the moment and where we were. And yet just this wave came over me. Oh, and I was I'm not kidding you. I was in tears. The, my wife was actually a little, a little concerned that maybe we were going to turn around and go back. But as soon as we because we didn't really have a plan. Yeah. And as soon as we had a plan to go south into County Waterford to a bed and breakfast that we stayed at for a week. Um, I was fine. Yeah, okay, we're here. This is fantastic. Oh, wow, this is a great place. And the green and, uh, and so on and so forth. And I have a feeling that maybe that's also what they're trying to tell us from the other side, too, is that, that um, there's nothing to be afraid of while you're here. I, I do have to say, I saw this interesting thing on LinkedIn. I thought this was really fascinating because I also have seen um, uh, postings of people wearing these T-shirts. This one young gal was wearing a T-shirt basically saying, I'm independent, I'm this, I'm that, I'm other, I, I don't mask, I don't vaccinate, I don't blah, 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 blah. Then I saw another little cartoon, or actually it was cartoonish in the way it was written, that said, you are trusting God to protect you from the virus, then explain to me why you need a gun. <laughs> and great. it's like, immediately I got the irony, but I yeah. also got the point. Yeah. Now, I'm not an anti-gun person, don't get me wrong. I will, de I will defend a gun owner's right to own his guns as long as he will defend me in, in the time of need, you know. Right. I'll sure. Here, I'll supply you with the bullets, you know, the ammunition. Um, but I just find it real interesting that, that we take all of these different perspectives and yet I sit here, I don't know about you, I may have asked this of you in the last program, if today's my last day, I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm not afraid of going. My sister who has already gone on, she's going to be with, she's going to be with there waiting for me. Great. You know, or whoever she, she, he, it is that I have been associating with for lifetimes in my cluster is going right. to be waiting there 
to to bring me into the fold, so to speak, into the cluster. Hey, welcome. It's good to have you back, you know, and so on and so forth. And, and, and you yet, know, I think that we're all, nobody gets out of this alive. So we Well, that's what my dad's always told me. I <laughs> to bring it back into the mainstream conversation yeah. um, to let allow people to die at home. Um, you know, if people are feeling like, you know, they have a terminal illness and they want to uh, take care of their own passing in their own way with dignity, you know, instead of trying, you know, through every possible means to keep someone alive, you know, to buy three months. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm not in that position. I might feel entirely differently when I am, but yeah. I like to yeah. think, you know, there's... If there wasn't so much fear yeah. about dying, yeah. if our if we if we spoke to our ancestors as, as many of uh, more original and Aboriginal persons did, you know, people did, mm -hmm. um, we would realize they're very much still part of life and families. We just they're just in a they're not in a physical body, but they right. are still right. themselves. Right. They're still intelligent. We can still have interactions and relationships with them. We can feel their love and forgiveness. We can give them ours. And, um, you know, we might as well get used to it because nobody's going to beat it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think we're, we do ourselves a disservice, those, those cultures that want to just uh, tidy it up or make it sterile or have it happen over there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just not, it's not too healthy, I think. I have to give my mother and father uh, a lot of credit because when my grandmother, one of the two that was speaking to me Friday, uh, passed away in our home on, well, we'll call it today, it was, it's Black Friday. It's not Black, it wasn't Black Friday then, but the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving evening, we watched her favorite movie, The Sound of Music. She took us to see it in a drive-in theater in Florence. That summer. Uh, so she watched her favorite movie, went to bed. My, my eldest sister, who, who since passed, uh, said that, oh, yeah, I remember she got up. She went to the bathroom. She came back. She laid down. Never got up again. But they didn't keep us away. So, oh, no, no. Keep the kids out. Keep the. No, no, we can't. They didn't do that. And um, matter of fact, I remember my grandfather dying of a heart attack. And I remember getting that my, my parents got the phone call and then they were sharing this with us. I was a teenager delivering newspapers and there I was at home and everything. And I, I and we went to the funeral. They did, had a parade for the man. I, I think I remember mentioning that he was a, a police chief. He was fire chief and so forth and so on. And so they had his boots backwards in the stirrups of his horse in the parade uh -huh. along of what? course with his coffin being uh, on a wagon being uh, drawn by uh, i think two horses or maybe a single horse mm. i mean it was it was pretty spectacular um and then when my grandmother passed away uh, a few years later uh, when we had the funeral i was almost ushered out of the church because yeah. i was I was being too upsetting. I was crying and carrying on and everything else. And, and it's like, well, but isn't that what this is for? <laughs> I just, I thought, okay, all right, I'll calm down, you know. 
And then I remember when my, my dear Makushla, my beautiful white uh, uh, shepherd chow mix, uh, when we had to let her go, um, I didn't shed a tear until I was in uh, therapy. Mm. And uh, my friend here in Santa Barbara, um, uh, he put me under and it was conscious. It was a conscious hypnotherapy session. Okay. So I'm fully aware. Yeah. And my tears flowed because I felt so guilty for keeping her here so long. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kept her, we cared for her and helped her in every way, shape or form we could for 14 months after she lost the use of her hind legs. 14 months. Oh, man. And I wanted to let her go quite literally several months after she lost the use of her legs. I thought, this is not fair to her. This isn't right, you know, and so forth. Uh, but my wife and I at the time were not on the same page. She said, no, no, she still has a lot more love and she'll let us know and so on and so forth, which, again, I knew all of this. But I just thought, no, you know. So I wonder about that. Whereas with my sister, the only tears that I've shed were at the memorial. And I laughed, too. I laughed, too. But I cried. Um, what about the connection that we make? I mean, do you cry over the people who die in a foreign country you've never heard of and you don't even know who they are? You know, because you have no connection to them directly. Whereas if it were a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a child, a close friend, associate, and so forth, you're probably going to feel something. You're probably going to feel some some deep emotion, maybe some tears. Um, and, and it got me to thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't attach so tightly to other human beings so that we didn't feel that that grief that way what, what your thoughts on that well, maybe we should attach ourselves more to people so we we can love them enough that not only we feel their loss when they pass away but we feel duty bound to make sure their lives are comfortable and, and that they're well fed and healthy yeah. you know i i I have lost my dad. He's been gone about 20 years. Uh, my nephew passed away at 27, tragically, very rare cancer. And my cousin at 36. So there's been loss in my family. And um, even though I'm a medium and I have had, uh, you know, the privilege of connecting people of all ages, uh, passed, who passed away at all ages um, with their people still in the physical world, um, the grief that I feel is so tangible. Um, and, and a lot of it is grief for me and my loss, but it's also, you know, I, I put myself in my sister's shoes who lost her son, my nephew. And I feel, I know a big part of my sorrow is for her. And it's an interesting, um, not 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 something I often talk to talk about to people because people can very be very judgmental about how you're grieving, how long you're grieving, what it looks like, is it appropriate according to them? Um, you know, and we all we all tackle that differently. But I, even though there's a part of me that knows, I'll see my nephew again and my dad and my cousin. Um, 
the world is different because they're not here anymore. You know, my world is different because they're not here anymore. My world is different because my sister, who is my best friend, has been, you know, irrevocably changed by by that. And and that's sad, you know, when the dynamic changes or life changes. And that's so maybe I'm not so much grieving the loss, but grieving the change and the sorrow that somebody else is experiencing. We're talking with uh, Patricia. Um, it is Patricia, isn't it? It's Priscilla. Priscilla. Who's, who's Patricia? My mother. <laughs> it's your twin. What do you think of that? I just gave you a twin. Uh, we're talking with Priscilla. Priscilla Kerasi, she has a website. It is apracticalpsychic.com. And we hope that you'll go there. We will, as of course, with our other interview, we will be linked to that website as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we're talking with uh, Priscilla uh, Kerasi, and we're talking about the work that she does in, in a manner of speaking, I suppose you could say, sort of, I don't know if it's necessarily reuniting ones with their loved ones as much as opening a door and allowing the loved ones to come through and share their thoughts. This is not, this is not a question and answer session. It's not like 60 minutes where you're going to get, get to grill your relative about why they did what they did. This is about them. It's sort of one-sided uh, uh, information that they feel is important for you to have. And that's a good point. It isn't um, so much a dialogue. And and again, I I I prefer that because when somebody asks me a direct question, it immediately engages my conscious thinking mind, and I don't want that part of my mind anywhere involved in this process. So if somebody asks me a question, um, it's either a test, like what was my favorite number, you know, one of these sorts of things, or, or I'm giving one thing to show me, what is it, you know, so they're testing me, um, or testing whether it's really their spirit person, um, so I, I, I don't like those sorts of things anyway, but um, also if somebody has a question like, you know, a legitimate question like, did you hear me say goodbye, because you were unconscious when I was, when, when I was holding your hand, um, and so with questions like that, I don't answer immediately. I toss it to the spirit person or I know that they hear it and I carry on with whatever I'm doing. And then the spirit will slip in somewhere in that their answer to that question. Mm. Um, describing it in a complete, in a way that doesn't feel to me like I'm answering the question. So the spirit might come through in that example and say, I'm, I'm aware that the family was around me singing songs. And, um, and my favorite Frank Sinatra song, for example. And this answers the person's question, you know, did you know that we were there around you? Yes, because I just told you everything that was happening while I was unconscious. So that, that is a way that I can, that the spirit people can um, answer the questions of their loved ones um, without using my thinking mind, which only gets in the way. And that's interesting. That's interesting because... We, 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 and we do tend to do this. We get in our own way uh, many, many times. And um, it's just, it's, it's, it's like getting out of your own way, n not only in terms of living your own life's purpose, but in terms of getting information that is going to be really beneficial, that's going to be helpful for you and to you. 
uh, for the people around, you know, uh, as far as living your life. I, I, I've gotten to the, I don't know about you, um, uh, Priscilla, but I've gotten to the point in my life where I really do feel like my life is so guided uh, so directed, and I'm not saying that I've turned on autopilot, and I'm not really kind of watching what I'm doing anymore. You know, <laughs> like when we flew from Santa Barbara to Camarillo on autopilot, um, I'm very much aware, and it's like today when I was driving to work, and I wasn't, and I was coming up to an intersection, and one of those, which way should I go? And it wasn't even that. It was, eh, turn right. No big deal. Turn right. And I, I turned, so I turned right. Didn't have a problem with that. Yet I know that there are a lot of people who feel as though, no, I've got to be in control all the time. Do you find that with a lot of folks, that you, your clients, that they, they, you know, they're learning how to, if you will, give up control uh, because the way they're doing it isn't working too well? Yeah. Um, I, and I, you know, I'm not legally or ethically allowed to advise people sure. as either a psychic or a medium, mm -hmm. but you know, there are people who really do get in their own way or they overthink things as we were talking about earlier. Um, and because the sixth sense is so natural, many people respond to it, um, obey it, sort of respond to it without really realizing they're doing that. So when I teach classes and I teach people how to recognize their sixth sense, to be uh, conscious of it, when they can apply it, how they can, um, you know, kind of marry it with their with marry it to their good good sense about things. So when somebody's learning to pay attention to the sixth sense, it kind of comes out of a very natural experience, one that's a little unnatural. Like here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling. And then it begins to fold back into being sort of subsumed with our natural way of doing things. And, and I call that discernment. We've got our logical mind, but we also have giving equal, uh, you know, play to our intuition. And so then we've arrived at a kind of discernment that gives us confidence in the decisions that we're making or feeling like I don't need to explain to any, every Tom, Dick and Harry why I went right instead of went left. You know, I'm just... I'm just following what I'm fe what feels right. And so ideally, we don't separate them. Here's my thinking, here's my intuition, but we uh, have that level of discernment so we don't second guess ourselves. We're confident in the choices that we make. And that to me seems real important, uh, the level of confidence. Um, talk to us a little bit about that in terms of um, developing that confidence. And I know that, that there's a part of this also that has to do with one, I mean, confidence is also part of self-esteem, self-worth, you know, how we think about ourselves. And when, uh, and maybe you, you can elaborate a little bit on this with your experience. And again, uh, recognizing and acknowledging the things you can and can't do in your field. But, um, trying to help people to 
sort of rebuild because they've been beaten down by life in childhood or teenage years or whenever to 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 rebuild that that confidence and that self-esteem so that they they aren't constantly relying on outside sources. And again, that's not to say because if, if we were meant to live solitary lives, I know there are enough planets in the universe that we could all occupy one. But the reality is we're here. So obviously there's there's a reason why we're all together. There's a connection that we're supposed to have. But at the same time, there needs to be that inner strength, if you will. Uh I know that you don't necessarily do counseling, but I'm certain that that some of this kind of comes up over time with some of the clients as well, maybe even from uh, or maybe specifically from the other side, the, 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 the other spirit, the spirit world. You know, it's um, interesting that you bring that up, self-esteem, because I think it is inseparable from the spirit. Um, I actually wrote two books on self-esteem. Um, you can find those on my website too. One is called The Self-Esteem Solution. And the second one is called Rise and Shine. And it has 52 chapters dealing with self-esteem issues. So there's a meditation for each day, Monday through Friday. And you can read it in any order. But so many of the things that we do from low self-esteem, um, you know, looking at the world like Pollyanna or through, you know, pessimism or being passive aggressive or unilateral contracts. All of these things arise from the sense that something about us is incomplete or missing or flawed or wrong. And so the spirit people say over and over again, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you that's not to say we don't behave wrongly or make errors in you know, uh, decisions that we make, but who we are is perfect. It's our spirit is fully formed. Whether we draw one breath here in the physical world or a million, we are whole. And that's why when you and I were talking earlier about some of that um, boredom, some of that time when there's nothing to do, if we start to listen or in our boredom, pay attention or ask ourselves, well, what's next? We start to understand that still small voice you referenced. Um, we start to understand what we desire. And inherent in every desire, incipient in every desire, is the timeless awareness of the accomplishment of that desire. So when we know what our desires are, we're called forward to fulfill our purpose. And our, our purpose is to be ourselves and nothing more, not to be anybody else, you know, people say, I don't know what I'm, I'm not passionate about anything. Well, that's okay. You know, if you're following through with what you feel is right for you, you're living a purposeful life. That isn't always a life of, you know, uh, of service above self. It isn't always being a parent or, or giving alms to the poor. Sometimes it's dancing or writing haiku or sitting in the forest, you know, it's, but who we are and how we express ourselves is all part of the diverse tapestry of God or the great spirit and how we are all woven together. So I think with many, many of my clients, um, especially those who really need to hear it, we have spirit people come in who might have impacted someone's self-esteem. Um, there was a, a, a mother in spirit at our gathering on Friday night who was very discouraging to her daughter who was in the audience. And uh, you know, and and really had undermined her self-esteem and gave her a kind of a bit of a rough start in life. And 
you know, for spirit people to recognize this and to say to their loved ones here through a medium or even, you know, in, in one's own meditation, stop judging yourself so harshly. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> you know, love yourself. Um, because in the end, you're going to understand that you are wholly and completely lovable and, um, and do what you love. I can tell you that that can be more difficult than you can imagine in certain instances because we're getting those outside messages all the time that are telling us that we aren't good enough, that we need, you need to be fixed. You need to go see a doctor. You need to go see a therapist. You need to go see this person, that person, the other person, uh, and so on and so on and so on. And, you know, and I, I, I myself, I sit there and I go, uh, back in uh, <clears throat> 93, 94, I was fixed, okay? I was neutered, all right? So I'm fixed. I don't need to be fixed again. <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the, the aspects. Let's talk a little bit about this more from the context of being being perfect. Now, I'll define that for you from my perspective and have you uh, um, elucidate. In the Bible, it says, in the New Testament, it says, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I wondered about that, and I finally came to the conclusion, based upon some Old Testament passages, primarily, I think, from, I think it was from Psalms, where it talks about, I am that I am, and God is neither good nor bad, right or wrong, black or white, etc., etc. And the only thing that that left was, it just is. God just is. And wasn't about any of that other stuff other than just being in the moment. So let's talk about the concept of perfection in all of this, because there are those who are perfectionists who believe that it's it's got to be done right and it's got to be done the right way and it can't be done any other way, you know. Uh, this is the only way that it should be done, and we'll never do it any other way because this is the only, you know, and so forth. And yet, look at the innovations we have in our world today. And I was talking with my friend who owns the plane when we were out at the air show. I said, it's amazing the diverse, there are not, there aren't two planes alike on the airfield. It's like amazing. And yet, there are those who say that there's only one way, there's only one path to the divine. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. So share with us a little of your perspective on perfection. Well, I think it's important. Um, you know, we have, we have knowledge that we gather through our world experience and our studies and what we pursue with our intellect. And then we have knowing, which is our sense of ourselves. And so there are, of course, things that we know and do imperfectly. So those behaviors, those decisions, those relationships, those, because of the dual nature of the world we live in, us and them, black and white, this side and that side, we are going to be making judgments and we are going to measure ourselves and others against certain standards. Um, but as we know, as we know ourselves, it's important to know ourselves to be whole and perfect. And I think that that is... Um, with someone who's very arrogant or who has a low self-esteem and is very, um, you know, well, that, that's where arrogance comes from, as well as bullying, as well as, you know, meekness. 
um, feeling that either our we are more perfect or less perfect when in fact there we just are it just that you know God is we are and there's no division because as you mentioned God just is the creator just is not black or white male or female but all omnipotent omnipresent um, omniscient uh, a unity um, we are that same way inside and that's why the spirit people always remind us not to judge ourselves we can judge our actions and hopefully learn from them but we shouldn't let them impact our sense of ourselves like i can look at something and go oh i made a mistake i shouldn't have done that but a person with a healthy self-esteem is not going to go oh you idiot you're so you're such a jerk how could you you know they're not going to let it get it hook get let its hooks get into their sense of themselves and and knowing that our spirits are perfect will isn't going to make us braggarts or arrogant or snobs it's going to make us understand that we may act imperfectly but if we're following the knowing that we're perfect we're not going to force other people to do what we want to do we're not going to nag other people to get things done because we're projecting our own insecurities onto them neither are we going to allow ourselves to subsume what our desires are so other people don't have to deal with their insecurities and so i think that that sense of spiritual perfection is critical to one's self-esteem and one's confident ability to follow what their own self-expression says, whether that's I'm trans, I'm gay, I'm an artist, I'm a musician, I'm a loner, I'm a super social person, you know, whatever it, it our, our perfect sense of ourselves informs us how to express that. Yeah. I find it fascinating, too, um, with people who are opposed to the differences, okay, which is kind of funny in a way, almost ironic, but they're opposed to the differences. And my first my first thought is, number one, is do you honestly believe that this individual who is living this particular lifestyle, I don't care what it is, uh, is going to break into your home and try to convert your family to that lifestyle? Number one. And number two, what? Do you think that the lifestyle they are living is contagious? Like COVID? <laughs> Come on. Uh, it it's it, it's to me it's like there's there's forgive me for putting it this way I, I don't mean to insult anybody but it seems like there's so much ignorance right there you know I, and I think a lot of fear because when you see yeah. people expressing themselves confidently and it doesn't fit in your worldview I feel really the, the the reason people respond with such anger and fear and ignorance or like doubling down on their beliefs is because they haven't been able to touch with what they feel they themselves are. Yeah. You know, they've, been, they've been married to somebody else's narrative for so long that the idea of surrendering it for, hey, what could be in there, you know, is is just too unsettling. So they just kind of double down on on their what they've chosen to follow because it feels safer than peering inside and going, hmm, maybe there's nothing there, or maybe what's there will be surprising, and it and you know I'll disappoint my parents or or my wife will hate me, you know. So we we spend way too much time viewing ourselves through the lens of how others view us when really nobody really cares. We're all so concerned about ourselves. That, you know, <laughs> 
I love yeah. that. Uh, I, I, matter of fact, I, I take the same perspective in terms of, uh, for example, um, um, uh, uh, people knowing about me. Now, I, as you obviously know, you, you in my interviews, I share a lot about my personal life myself. I don't give out my social security number or my pin code, mind you, but <laughs> but um, I, I jokingly say that, you know, if somebody's been following for the last 43 some odd years and listening to my interviews, they could write my unauthorized autobiography or my unauthorized biography because I've shared so much about myself. But I've come to the conclusion, and this is sort of based upon my time at the religious radio station back in Phoenix for 15 years. God, who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, knows everything about me. This is, this is the dogma that we're taught, okay? Knows everything. Then what difference does it make if all 8 billion other people know? Besides, most of them don't care. They're too busy living their lives. And those who do care and want to use and misuse and so forth, hey, I will start. I can start over. We all did by coming when we came into this world. And I think we get so overly protective and people are so worried about their privacy. It's like, do you know how much privacy you've given away when you when you, for example, when you download an app, for example, read the fine print, who reads the fine print? And there's there's even a provision. I remember they, they actually scrutinized it on this one documentary where it said that, you know, we can do this and we can do that. And we can really you, you guys can, you mean to tell me I just, by clicking yes on the terms and conditions, right. <laughs> I just, I just gave you, you know, my, my firstborn and, right. and you get to have any organs that are in my body when I die. And, and, and the list goes on. It's like, do you people realize that you've thrown away your right to privacy? And I knew back in 94 when I got on the Internet for the first time that the moment I got on the Internet for the first time, my privacy was gone. But I didn't care because God knows everything about me, the divine. What difference does it make? And besides, ten, ten thousand. What's it? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, that people live with a different lifestyle might come into your home, <gasps> your family. Yeah. I think people are afraid like you'll get into my mind and change my mind people have forgotten that they have total control over what they choose to think about or react to or feel about you know and I and um, they may be influenced by media advertising uh, these sorts of things but really ultimately that's the only control we have the only people we're gonna lay down and sleep with at night are ourselves and if you don't have a peace of mind and you don't find a way to really love yourself and celebrate yourself, you know, you're not going to get a whole lot of sleep. So, you yeah. know, some of these things like privacy and, and I, I mean, I agree with the minute you get a driver's license, you know, you're, you're in the <laughs> privacy goodbye. Um, but at the same time, you know, I know myself and I'm known by God. And as much of that inner me, my spirit that I want to share. Yeah. Oh, that's up to me to share yeah. um, my habits, my behaviors, my buying habits. You know, you can have those things. I don't care. I still, I still retain the right to say no to that ad you flash up on my Facebook feed, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be mindlessly zombie-like clicking on purchasing things. Um, but you know, that kind of self-awareness and recognizing that we have control 
In fact, the only control we really have is to choose how we're going to feel about things. And, um, oh. you know, that's, that's really empowering. You you just said something we got to touch upon, but we'll do that as we continue. We're talking with uh, Priscilla Kerasi. We're talking about the work that she does as a, a psychic medium. And uh, um, it doesn't matter which order, medium, psychic, psychic, medium. I know it does because you've got it on your business cards, I'm sure. <laughs> off a little bit easier psychic medium <laughs> that's okay. why and we'll continue here uh talking about the work that she's doing that you can find out about uh at her website a site a practical psychic.com this is tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and we're talking about with the uh, patricia <clears throat> uh, Priscilla, I, I don't know who Patricia is. I will find out. Uh, but uh, Pris- <laughs> Priscilla Kerasi is my guest. A practicalpsychic.com is the website. But you touched upon something that, my gosh, I'm, I'm going around in circles with this in my life right now. And that is this whole issue of our emotions. And the other day I allowed myself, I allowed myself in control here to get mad about something. But I wasn't really, I really wasn't mad because it wasn't the first time that this is, this had come up. And um, you said it so well that we do have control over how we, and I'm, I guess the right term is how we react, or act, I suppose, but react to the various to put it clinically, stimuli (laughs) that are on the outside of us. And then we choose the emotions that we want or feel we need at that given moment. I'm not sure why, honestly. I'm not sure why we choose what we choose, but we do choose. And I find that interesting. A lot of it's it's habit. You know, many of us are raised in families where in cultures where we hear you made me mad you know or you made me sad or you made me happy and we take on the responsibility for other people's feelings when we're we're only responsible for our own we can't i can't make somebody mad because they always retain the choice to respond with anger or not to the things that i do mhm now you, you know, you, you put it so well uh, that I choose and I find it, I don't know about you, but I find it so, uh, I don't know how you do this, if you do this. I, I can't, I know how much damage I will do to myself if I hold on to the emotions of resentment and uh, revenge, and bitterness, and all of those particular emotions that, um, quite honestly, you see people as they get older and older, they've held on to those. And a lot of them, they're hunched over and they're walking down the street, you know, and they can't even look up at the sky because, you know, it's amazing. And I will also add that one of the greatest balancers is that young man or woman that's right there with you that beautiful shepherd yes yes that will help us to balance ourselves talk to us about that well uh, i agree you know because 
dogs, as far as I know, and cats, I've got one right down here too. Um, they just love the energy of these kinds of conversations. So they often come and just chill out with us here. I love um, it. I love it. They don't it. hang on to, you know, um, anger. And, and I, I think it's important to remember that as human beings, we feel before we think. So as we're little children, we, we respond to feelings first, because that's how we deal with, if I'm hungry, I'll cry. If I'm scared, I'll screech. If I'm lonely, I'll put my arms out for my mother. Um, and we don't develop a rational ability to think and respond rationally um, until we're 10, 11, 12, something like this. So mm -hmm. it's important to remember as, an, as adults, we're always gonna feel first. So I may, I may have anger. That may not be a choice for me if somebody cuts me off in traffic, for example, and I, I feel this anger wash up in me. But then as a thinking adult, I talk myself out of it or I say, you know, have a nice day or by all means, go ahead of me. Um, but I mean, some days that's easier than others. But, you know, holding on to um, resentments and, and some of those negative emotions, first of all, our we have these neurolinguistic pathways that are set up in our brain. So it's not easy to just say, forgive this person or stop being angry. You know, we have to uh, work on those things from a rational point of view with ourselves as well. Um, and, and to know that we may always get angry first. You know, I had a, a parent who was an overreactor and could be very domineering and bullying and terrifying. And I can hear a certain tone of voice in an authority figure and my stomach will just drop. Now I'm 60 years old, but I still feel the first and then I have to think my way out of it and, and, and feel, feel first and, and think after that and choose my reaction to that because that's where the power is. We don't have to be triggered. We may be triggered, but we don't have to stay in the emotion that was triggered. Yeah. Choose away from it. And what's really, I say funny, funny, ha-ha, funny, strange, is how, oh, God, I love that dog. He's a good boy. Uh, I want that dog. <laughs> but I can't have that dog because that dog is your dog. Actually, you're his. I'm his. You're his. Um, what I find so fascinating is how there are people who want me to be resentful, want me to be bitter, want me to be the way that they are. And I'm, I, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of my attitude. It's, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that, sure. But I'm not yeah, going to do that. Yeah, loves company, right? Uh, yeah, and it's like, I don't want to do that. My life, I'm having too much fun doing what I'm doing, you know. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just astounding uh, the number of people that are, it's like, I, I, and again, I, I, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to be, I don't want to get political here, but the 2016 presidential campaign I have called the, can, the victimhood campaign. It's everybody else's fault. We should be upset with everybody else around the world for our situation. And I'm going, you have got to be nuts. I thought we finished with victimhood in the 80s. I went through all kinds of programs and stuff, and I got myself out of the victimhood thing. It's I'm responsible for me, and now you're telling me I'm not, and it's somebody else's fault. That's right. I I just I. Everybody who did like Est in the '70s and Landmark in the '80s, right? 
Yeah, well, I did an outgrowth of Est. It was Lifespring in the early 80s. And then uh, I actually did all three levels and <laughs> for what that's worth. And then in the 90s, I did what's called uh, Omega Vector, and they I think they renamed it to Delta Vector. Um, and it was based upon the zero point of, I believe it was uh, Teilhard uh, and um, uh, many other teachings. And it, the bottom line was, and I loved this. This is what happened in the very first session I went to of, of a Delta Vector. We're sitting there on a Wednesday night, a Wednesday evening. It's like three or four or five hours, whatever. And um, the, the facilitator comes and says, <clears throat> you know, I, I can hear that some of you, you're, you're not real happy to be here. And you, you, you really don't want to be here. And so and they went on and on and on. Well, let me just tell you, folks, um, who are sitting here in this circle, listening to me speak right now, that... The reality is, the truth is, that if you did not want to be here, you wouldn't be. Ergo, you must want to be here because here is where you are. It's not my fault that you're here. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I'm not responsible. You are. And I thought, wow. And it isn't just about, you know, wherever you are is where you are, that old cute little saying. It's wherever you are is where you want it to be. Because if you wanted to be somewhere else, you would be. But you aren't. You are there. And uh, Spot on, though. You know, because a lot of people don't feel empowered. They do feel like victims. They do feel like, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't or I didn't have a choice or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a choice. We talk about choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. You know? Oh, he is just having a grand time, isn't he? Yes. Now, folks, I know those of you not watching Zoom, you can't see this, but, oh, uh, and uh, what's the what's his name? His name's Billabong, and I call him Billy. Billabong? Yeah, Billabong. And what is that, uh, what is that name? Well, uh, it's, um, I'll tell you, it's a little story behind it. I had a shepherd before him um, whose name was Memphis. And um, I used to call him Bill just because I'd call him Silly Bill. You know how you, you develop all these different nicknames yeah. uh, for your dog? Yeah. So when my dog Memphis passed away, and I used to sing him a song about billabongs. It's an Australian, you know, kind of area where a dry riverbed, really. Oh. Um, and th that's what the word means. And uh, um, so when my my shepherd died a year ago, April, very, very suddenly, um, I was my heart was so empty. My house was so quiet and I knew I wanted to get another one and get a puppy. But I wasn't sure if I should, if the timing was right. And so I was watching uh, Netflix. And one of the things I like to watch are sports documentaries. Go figure. So I was watching this one about a, a girl who was a power lifter in Egypt. And. Um, uh, and it was in, it wasn't in English, so it had subtitles, but I was thinking, I had closed my eyes and I was just listening to the Egyptian language in the background um, and thinking about my dog who passed. And I was like, you know, Memphis, just give me a sign if it's right for me to get a puppy. And then I opened my eyes and this girl who was a subject of the documentary, she was 13 years old. She had on a t-shirt that said Billabong which is what I used to, it was one of the things I used to call, and I was like, all right, I got it. I'm getting a puppy, and his name is Billabong. So I, I, I call him Billy. Yeah. It's my silly Billy. Right? Well, we have, a, we have a black king shepherd. He's 100 pounds. His name is Angus. Oh, wow. He is oh. one of the most independent, 
uh, animals uh, I have ever um, had the good fortune to know and be be uh, have in my life and be in his. And he is so gentle. I, I, I remember as a paper boy being chased by big black dogs his size and pedaling as fast as my legs would go to get away. With him, you could take a treat and put it in his mouth. No teeth, just lips. Now, he has teeth. Don't get me wrong. But there are no teeth in the taking of the treat. And I just saw the cat go by. Oh, there you are. <laughs> what a zoo. Oh, I love it. And I love that. I take it that's a picture of Billabon behind you on the wall? That's my other shepherd. Oh, um, man. Wall over there. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, uh, this has been a, a, a fantastic uh, hour plus, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to reconnect. We are talking with Priscilla Kerasi, a practical psychic, apracticalpsychic.com, and this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are uh, wrapping things up here uh, once again. With our guest, uh, Priscilla Kerasi, and we're talking, of course, we've been talking, well, actually about a lot of different things that the spirit world uh, through you is is sharing, not just to your clients, but to the rest of the world. What is the, uh, what is the prospect of any kind of a book coming out of some of the messages that you've received that are of sufficient generic nature? that you're able to maybe put that into context and maybe elaborate uh, for the rest of us to read? Sure. Well, I've written two about my experiences as a medium. The first one is called, uh, it will all make sense when you're dead. The second one is called, nobody gets out of this alive. And I'm putting together um, a third book on exactly that. Some of those nuggets of wisdom that spirit people have said to their, their loved ones, my <laughs> clients that just, are, they may be specific to the person, but they're universal and really, really. Sometimes the, the kind that I would hear come out of my mouth and go, wow, listen to that. You know, knowing it, of course, wasn't uh, from me. So I have a, a bunch of those um, that I'm putting together now with a little meditation after each one. So. Um, you can look for that probably in the next six months or so. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'll tell you what, first of the, uh, first of 2023, let's get together once again, and we'll talk about some of those messages because uh, they could really help a lot of us, uh, myself included. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect, as we described earlier, okay, just by being me. But at the same time, I'm still growing and learning and trying to uh, uh, be, uh, be a better human, you know, uh, to myself as well as to others. I have a feeling, too, that's a big message, too. Uh, when we're going through crises, it's how important it is that we take care of self. Just like on the airplane, put the mask on yourself first before you put your mask on your child. The child is not going to suffocate. <laughs> There's plenty of time. And people think that's so selfish, but really... It, nobody's going to care as much about us as we do because yeah. we're inside our own experience. And, you know, we, we have to give our, we have to make ourselves a priority. And unfortunately it's been, you know, making, celebrating ourselves is, you know, often, you know, reviled and, and derided like, Oh, you're just bragging, but uh, we should celebrate ourselves when we do great mm -hmm. things or, or we've had a successful day or, 
we made a little bit more money. You know, I mean, that, those feeling good feels good because we're supposed to feel good. So why not do more of those things and celebrate them when we when we are blessed with them? Isn't that interesting, though, how if you choose to feel those things, those are fleeting. They're here and then they're gone, which is OK. That's fine. I mean, who stays in that state for an extended period of time? But when you get into the fear and the resentment and the bitterness and all those other things that we talked about before, people stay stuck in those for years. I, it's sad. It's bizarre. Not just sad, it's bizarre. It's like, really? That's all you can feel? Come on, this life is so diverse. It's so wonderful. And we want to thrive. We want to thrive. And I think that through the work you're doing, I think that the spirit world through you is going to help us to do just that. I, I envy you, uh, his, uh, his, his appearance there and his uh, love and attention to you. Oh, my God. I just uh, I wish I had Angus here right now. <laughs> he, I'd like to see him. <laughs> he used to jump up on the bed with us and sleep with us. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And uh, he hasn't in a long time, but I have a feeling it's prim primarily because he's gotten older. He'll be 10 this year. Uh, and so he's probably just doesn't have the strength, but he's still very he's still puppy like. It's amazing. It really is. We're going to wrap things up here. And uh, I'm going to ask you, even though it's just been a short time. Uh, since I asked you these three questions before, I'm going to ask them again because sometimes the answers change. And if they don't, that's fine, too. Uh, but before I do that, before, before I do that, I'm going to tell y'all about uh, where you can find us. We are here <laughs> Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. in our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Wednesdays, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews and you can watch uh, Billy uh, come into the program. I, I just, I have to tell you that more of our guests have had cats or dogs come in. They're not barking. They're not carrying on. They're just coming in to make their presence known. And as you said, they like these conversations. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, uh, folks, uh, check out YouTube. Become a subscriber. I am up to a whopping 84 subscribers in two years. You know what? I don't care if it's only 84. I'm just glad there are 84 people that are getting notified every time a new program is posted. So that's one of the main reasons for you to subscribe, not because Richard wants 800,000 subscribers. No, I, you know, that's irrelevant because I know there are more than that listening to the interviews who aren't subscribing, whether it be on the audio, the podcast, or the video cast. So uh, if you can, do so. Also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to spend that little time going within that perfection that you are and listening to that still small voice. Man, what an opportunity. Uh, it's learn about who you really are, all of who you really are, the diverse colors and shades and hues and all that makes you the marvelous person, the perfect person that you are. We also ask that if you can help us out financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And we thank those who have helped and those who will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, we go to our final three questions. Who is 
Priscilla Carisey. I am a perfect expression of my creator, trying to get that out in the most perfect way that I can. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Oh, to, to, to encourage people to find that perfection in themselves and know that there's nothing wrong with them. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Um, to, to express myself as purely and fully as I can mm -hmm. without uh, rationalizing, apologizing for, defending, but just to be who I am. Well, Priscilla, again, I thank you so much for this time, as well as the opportunity back on Friday, the 18th of August, uh, to uh, to see you, quote unquote, at work. And uh, I look forward to having you back again at the turn of the uh, year to talk about your third book. Thank you. I'd love that. It's always a pleasure, Richard. It was so nice to meet you and your wife in person, too. And you and, and uh, Michelle as well. Excellent. Good. We'll see you soon then. Absolutely. I'm Richard Dugan. I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I, I really am listening.